Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything, prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, begging, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches, and after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more attainable target. Speaking openly about my grief experience and helping support others to do the same serve as regular reminders that we are not alone. When we allow all the parts of us to have an expression of life, including the painful ones, we may just feel more human and less like robots on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thanks again for joining this episode of The Healing Path. And today I'm chatting about a post called The Boathouse Rule, and it has to do with the potential relationship between a workload and teamwork. Here's The Boathouse Rule. Over the course of three decades in relationship with our specially gifted son, Zach, who's 24, and his dad, we've had to navigate assign, and claim a mountain-high pile of responsibilities and tasks, as most families do. The division of labor shakes out differently in every household. The only requirement is that it has to work for everyone. Sometimes we have formal conversations about who will do what, where, when, etc. For example, who will cook dinner, do the laundry, take Zach to his appointments, manage his finances, manage our finances, keep the house clean, keep the car on the road, manage and coordinate Zach's caregivers and medical treatments and prescriptions and deliveries. Other, that was a mouthful. Other times, who does what? It just kind of all falls into place. Zach's dad likes to cook and the grill, so that takes care of dinner. And I love to cut the lawn, so I do that. Generally speaking, there's probably more work to do than there are hands to do it. But in a family like ours, where there's a specially gifted person, there is always more work than there are hands to do it. The only way I have found to survive the ongoing demands of raising and supporting a guy like Zach is that the people engaged and responsible for his care must feel that they are on the same team. I say this not based solely on my own experience but actually from dozens of anecdotal accounts from different people addressing this challenge in their own homes with varying circumstances. One thing that stands out to me unmistakably is that the connection among the caregivers, be it two or two dozen, must be a genuine one in order for everyone to show up at their best. Showing up as our individual best selves is the most effective way to make sure Zach and his body have what they need to survive. So it literally matters how we feel about what we're doing. 
It turns out that the stress of the perceived workload seems only secondary to whether or not we're shouldering our task lists with at least one other person. Even when there's a lot going on, the grace with which we can rise to a particular occasion seems driven by the camaraderie of the environment rather than the volume or the level of difficulty for the work itself. You may be able to draw on your own experience to tap into the dynamic I'm talking about. Have you ever gotten in trouble as a kid or an adult and had to perform a cleanup job? Or do damage control for a mess or a problem you created? I remember as a child being at summer camp and getting into some kind of mischief. That's what they called it. The repercussion was that I had to, along with one of my co-campers, scrub the floor of the whole big boathouse. Initially, as a camper, I reacted to the punishment like, huh? Do what? Hell no. But once the two of us got going, with the music on, we were laughing our heads off, and other campers (laughs) couldn't help but join in, which didn't make anyone very, the adults very happy. Um, But within no time at all, we were all scrubbing suds, spilling water, and joking around. What might have taken two people in a bad mood the whole day to complete was actually finished by lunchtime. And those who weren't involved had FOMO, fear of missing out, when they heard about the fun we had. Somehow, the feeling of being in it together made the workload manageable. Going back to my family, I won't bore you with the details of what our busy life has looked like for the last couple of decades. But I will say that I've had the same experience as an adult when I'm feeling overwhelmed as I did in that boathouse as a kid, meaning that what I had to do was unfair and it sucked, but it was made bearable only by the fact that I was not working alone. There could be any number of things falling apart at the seams, but we glean more power when we're part of a team than we do when we're alone. And so the team factor can be a game changer. The ability to maintain some sense of connection and common purpose matters when every day life feels like moving through one huge important project after the next. And it's hard to explain what I mean by, quote, connection and common purpose, unquote, because it's complex. After all, Wouldn't it seem like the most important variable in this equation would be the workload? The more work, the harder it becomes, right? But actually, in my experience, it doesn't happen that way. The more connection, the lighter the workload gets. Not just because there are more physical hands. It's lighter because there's some type of symbiotic strength that's cultivated with this feeling of not being alone in the work. and. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, I share because I finally figured out exactly how to convey this feeling of being on the same team in a shared project. So keep listening. A few mornings ago, I was driving to the airport. It was 3.30 a.m. I was with a friend, and we'd spent the long weekend at an active retreat of sorts just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. We were completely exhausted and had only gotten back to our hotel a few hours before we had to pack, shower, and turn around and get back in the car. This friend and I have traveled a lot together, so we're pretty compatible. But to be clear, 
at 3.30 a.m., there can only be one person driving the vehicle through the dark and windy roads at a time. And on this morning, that lucky gal was me. We had 90 minutes of dark roads before we would get to the airport and return our rental car. It was harder than I thought it would be. I've worked nights, days, weekends, and all shifts as a nurse and a mom. If you've never had to stay up and function in the middle of the night, it's a pretty unique experience and a challenge for sure. And when you're worn out and in an unfamiliar place, it can be alluring to doze off, even as the driver. Of course, I would never let that happen. But I was feeling the weight of the responsibility to get us safely to our destination. And just around the time, I might have let this drive bother me by concocting some storyline about how I shouldn't have to do this or I hate driving when I'm so tired or anything like that. I looked over toward the passenger seat to see my reliable, steadfast friend wide awake. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) We weren't even chatting, which is a true sign that we were tired because usually we're both trying to speak simultaneously. We weren't even interacting, but we were in it together. I thought surely I would have fallen asleep had she been driving, but she didn't. And she wasn't doing the heavy lifting, but her sheer presence and awareness made it easier for me. My heart rate slowed, and I leaned into the situation as I realized I was part of a two person team traveling safely along the highway. I could relax into the team mentality, which is way more comforting than making up some fake story about why this was a bad idea to begin with. The moment I realized she was awake, the energy shifted. And I've decided to refer to this energy shift dynamic as the boathouse rule. The early morning drive is the best way I can describe what it feels like to share a burden with someone else rather than resisting it on my own. And if you were a Tom Sawyer fan, you might call it the fence painting rule. No matter what we call it, my experience is that it actually exists. And I try to be on a team in almost everything I do. Not because the work is less, but because I can become more. The same is true on my healing path. The pain and confusion of grief are not reduced because I'm not alone. What is actually happening, I think, is that I feel lighter when a genuine connection is cultivated with others who are sharing a similar experience. It feels less personal. I feel less singled out with my losses. When I see something I'm going through happening in someone else, we can help each other. This is true even when the work is emotional and rather than physical. When driving in the middle of the night, trying to navigate a difficult circumstance or condition, scrubbing the boathouse floor as a kid, or learning to live without someone that we love, we can make it easier on ourselves by connecting with others. The work itself remains the same, but we don't. So thanks again for joining the Healing Path Podcast. And 
just chatting about this briefly, you know, bringing it into the grief scenario. First of all, I hope that you can kind of access a memory that um, of something that you, you know, maybe tried to do by yourself, but just having another person in the area or, you know, in the scenario with you, even though they weren't maybe doing the work, just having them there maybe made you feel less alone. And that's the dynamic I'm talking about because the workload itself doesn't doesn't change. I mean, if you have more hands, of course, it's going to be a little bit lighter. But for the most part, the work itself is the same. But we feel like we're part of something bigger than our individual selves. And that's where this kind of symbiotic strength is cultivated. And we all can show up even stronger than we would on our own. So yeah, hopefully you can kind of draw on a memory like that to get the point. But even if you can't, um, taking this conversation into the grief space, oh, we're so much better off sharing our experiences with others because otherwise, um, you know, not only do you feel alone, but you can feel a little bit crazy too. Grief can be very isolating. So anything that, you know, has to do with support group or therapy or maybe an online group that you're part of or an email group or even just another person. This friend of mine that I was with in the car, you know, we've been friends for like 40 years. And honestly, just like I said, having having her there and realizing that I wasn't the only one there, um, it just made all the difference. So I encourage you to make those connections and let me know how it's going. Um, I'd love to hear from you at the website, which is lisamcfarland.com. And I'd be interested in any of your own experiences where you kind of felt that it became more fun or, you know, more tolerable when there were more people. Even I can just remember even sitting in the hospital room, you know, night after night for a year uh, with our daughter. And honestly, just, you know, having uh, my partner there with me or having a parent or even the nurses, you know, standing by and and being bearing witness and being supportive, even if, you know, the work at that point was the emotional work and knowing that she that our daughter Alexis was so sick that we wouldn't be able to keep her. And that was, you know, obviously horrific. But somehow having people there that could say you're going to survive um, made me feel less alone. So I guess the the follow-up activity for all of us, myself included, is to identify opportunities where we might be towing the line alone, that there's actually help available. Again, it could just be a voice on the other end of the line. So you know you're not, do we even say line anymore <laughs> with the smartphones? I don't know. But you know, even just having another person available to you, it just it does really um, kind of ease the isolation of trying to do something by ourselves. So until we meet again, let's do our best to, first of all, look for opportunities to be part of something bigger than ourselves and, you know, increase our awareness or our ability to ask just for companies sometimes and as we're staying, you know, present and grateful in healing, um, it'd be fun to just kind of experiment with this a little bit and see if you can access or tap into this feeling of, 
you know, what it's like when we get together and we get just a little bit stronger, you know, the whole becomes greater than the sum of its parts. So I hope that's your experience. I so appreciate you listening and I hope you have a great weekend.